Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Susan Drum. She's a CEO advisor, leadership coach, and USA Today bestselling author of The Leader's Playlist. Susan is focused on helping leaders and their teams to develop the capacity and mindsets to lead in today's disruptive environment. She has personally coached billionaire CEOs, high-ranking political figures, prominent Fortune 50 executive teams, as well as incredible entrepreneurs that set out to disrupt the marketplace, and she's about to coach us. Hello, Susan, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I, I'm more than excited. I mean, you were introduced to me by a dear friend, Jennifer Hill, who has been on the show and she was, you know, so much wisdom came out of her. So that was very exciting. And in researching and seeing everything you're doing, I was just like, oh, I'm so happy and honored that you decided to, to be on the show. And so, uh, Susan, my question and, you know, my audience probably knows my, my the drill by by memory, but I, I just, I'm a, I'm a big fan of origin stories of, you know, learning what my guest was passionate about when they started. And as a coach, I'm sure that you probably do this with a lot of people, but tell us a little bit more about that, the younger version of you and, and how, you know, you really were able to tap into your true potential. Yes, I have a very twisty, turny background that led those. me to leadership <laughs> development. So my professional career and schooling started with Harvard Law School, but I decided not to practice law, much to the chagrin of my parents who were like, what? <laughs> and, you know, I remember just dreading graduating. I didn't, I had all this loan debt and I, and I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. I had worked for four different law firms during the two summers that you have. And I just felt, I felt very lost mm. and I always loved school. I love learning. So it wasn't like law, I, I enjoyed law school, but I could see the profession was not something that was well suited for who I was. But was it something that you dreamed though? Well, because somebody that ends up yeah. in Harvard Law School, like that sounds somebody driven to get there. Was that like a, in your, you know, teenage years, this is something that you said you wanted to do? Well, you know, I think I was in, in my teenage years, no, I wasn't like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I developed that interest after my sister was in law school and she was enjoying it. And that was more early college. I started thinking about it. I think as a teenager, I thought I was going to be a vet. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I love animals. And I thought, and I also loved business. I'd always been a little bit of an entrepreneur. I remember making, and also it was somebody who loves creating events and experiences. Mm. I created a silent movie at the age of eight wow. and I charged my neighbors 25 cents to come see my movie. Right? <laughs> I love that. So, 
Um, and I also created a haunted house and I did the same thing. And so I had a little bit of this entrepreneurial gene in me and I loved creating experiences and events. So, and I loved animals. So I didn't really know what direction I was headed. And I studied business uh, at Carnegie Mellon for undergraduate. And I remember coming out and it was during a recession and and there wasn't that many jobs that were interesting to me. I did very well in school. I did very well on the LSATs. And you know, when you get into Harvard Law, it's like, well, how can you say no, yeah, right? And so I said yes to that. And I don't regret that. And I'll tell you, I don't regret that because it did teach me a very important skill that I use now, which is the ability to make finer and finer distinctions. You apply that in law by making distinctions in cases, right? This case applies, this case doesn't apply. I use that same skill in helping people make distinctions in their mindset. Mm -hmm. And the finer and finer distinctions of how they're thinking and how they're thinking is actually producing the results that they are currently getting in their life. And some cases that's great results. In other cases, it's less than they desire. So to look at the ways in which they're thinking that are holding them back or creating a ceiling on their leadership effectiveness is really the skill that that experience brought me. Mm, I love that. I love that. And so, and definitely we're going to talk about your book because it sounds fascinating for sure. But can you share as, as a, you know, as a now coach and a leader, like, you obviously decided this career is not for me. Then how do you go into leadership and coaching? Because, and I ask this because I know there are a lot of people out there that have a career or a path that maybe say, oh yeah, but can you really live out of that? And let's be honest, now you're at the highest level. And of course you've, you know, coach yes. billionaires, you're in a completely different league, but there are people that are, you know, paving their way, you know, one step at a time. And, and they, they need to believe that, this is possible, a career that maybe is not a conventional career to begin with. Yes. Um, so if you can share a little bit of the thought process that went into that and how you really made that happen for you. Yes. Well, my path gets even more unconventional until I figured out that this was my path, my passion, the best use of my gifts and talents and, and a mission that it was actually more of a calling for me. And I think it does need to be that if you're going to be truly effective at the work. When I graduated law school, I ended up getting a consulting position at BCG. And that was a similar career path that many MBAs would take at the time. And I found, I love the variety of consulting. I love how quickly you have to come up to speed on a particular industry or client situation. Although I wasn't as passionate about applying it to strategy development or process redesign, which is what basically we did. And I was much more interested in some of the people issues. And there was a particular case that we worked on where as opposed to, you know, the idea in consulting is that you advise them on what to do. And this particular case, instead, we needed to coach the leaders to apply BCG methodology and I thought that was fascinating because they came up with their own recommendation. This is before, I mean, you have to remember, this is sort of mid-1990s. So, 
you know, nobody, I never heard of a coach. There wasn't any coaches out there doing this as a profession, at least that I knew of. But there was something in the switch of that methodology. Now that just sort of planted a seed and it wasn't something I acted on. I went into NBC television for a while and did marketing and business development. I was a black belt in Six Sigma Mm -hmm. because GE used to own NBC. But what I learned out of those things, I, I got really burnt out. And part of it was, I just felt like you could have the best strategy in the world, but if the culture doesn't accept it, you're dead in the water. Mm. And certainly when it came to Six Sigma, I think NBC was resistant of a very manufacturing-based approach. And But also I had over the years, some very sort of soul-sucking managerial experiences. Let's just say that in terms of my managers. And here I am, bright, eager, ready to go. And I just felt like, I don't like any of this. This all is terrible. Like, I don't feel, I felt really lost. I have all this education. And I honestly thought, maybe I don't like working. Isn't that bizarre? Because I'm such a hard worker. (laughs) I was like, I just don't like it. I just want to be in school, a school I like. I don't know. There's something about that. I like learning but I'm not liking any of these job experiences. And so I decided the only thing that I could do was take a break. And I took a weird break where I went and got a master's in acting from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. I had moved to London and I decided I will do a little bit of consulting on the side to to keep me afloat and and to do that work. But I wanted to pursue something I had some passion about. And I loved it. It was fabulous. But what I really got out of it was I kept thinking, wow, I'm learning so much. There's got to be a way I can bring this back to business. Because what I'm learning, a lot of the leaders that I was working for could use Right. And, you know, there's things you learn as an actor about being really authentic and this ability to connect and the ability to deal with the inner critic in your head. Because if you don't deal with that as an actor, you're going to be worried about the guy in the front row and his phone going off or something. (laughs) You're not going to be able to stay present with your fellow actor. And it started me down the path of how could I use some of this in business? And that's when I started looking at human development, human potential, bringing that into leadership development. And ultimately, I did pursue acting full-time for a little bit, but I found I was still hungry to get back to the business world. And that's how it all started, honestly. It was trying a lot of different things and seeing the different combinations of how I could pull something together. And I think that's been a theme my entire life. And certainly it's been a theme in my most recent book. Wow, I love that. I love that because I can I can resonate a little bit with that, you know, like uh, doing podcasting for fun and doing nothing to do with what I do for a living, but just getting filled and getting what you need from different sources, even if they're yes. not from one source. And I think that's super important because I think a lot of people think that you should feel fulfilled only with one source. Agreed. Right. And then so I yeah, love and the- they think that, meaning I agree that it doesn't have to just come from that, right? Yes. Correct. And so I what I like about your journey is you really, I mean, if you have to check boxes, you could check, you know, Harvard educate like people, these are the ultimate goals for a lot of people. Go to London and study acting. And like yes. this is like wow. And then that you have the humbleness to, you know, recognize like, yeah, I like all this, this is great, but I still not 
you know, fulfilled or not liking this. And that takes a lot of courage because a lot of people could say, what else do you want? I mean, <laughs> you're checking yes. all these boxes. Oh, people thought I was crazy. I kind of <laughs> thought I was crazy, you know, yeah. and I kept trying to, you know, it just felt like every day I would dread getting up and going into the office. And I kept thinking, God, there's something off here. I don't want to live my life like this. Wow, that's amazing. And so you went, you know, and you you uh, founded your own uh, company and you started working with incredible people. And I'm sure that it's always an iteration and changing and just perfecting, you know, the, the, the coaching. But you now have gathered so much wisdom into, you know, how to be a leader. And then, you know, somehow you decided to write a book. So let's talk about the leaders playlist. Yes. Well, I, and I also want to say it's, it, it is something, this career that I've stuck with now for 20 years. So it's been an evolution. It has been, you know, I think to ex expect that you're going to have all the stuff right out the bat, it's been a slow build to get to where, where I am, but it doesn't feel, I never felt impatient about it because I loved the process all along the way. And at each stage of the process, I learned something. So But the book, yes, the book is called The Leader's Playlist. Unleash the power of music and neuroscience to transform your leadership and your life. Hmm. So here I am using my degree from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, right? my love of music, and combining that with leadership. And again, pulling very different things that most people like, how do you bring that all together? <laughs> But indeed, it is so fascinating because truly the book has two main focuses. It's really bringing awareness to some of our most deep-seated patterns that limit our effectiveness in leadership and life, right? And actually, this is a leadership book, but it really applies to any human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just happen to play in the world of leadership development. So the thing is that understanding that these patterns develop in childhood as survival strategies, they become superpowers that we have, but they can also become liabilities because they may be used in circumstances where they're no longer needed. And so in the book, I talk about how our childhood wounds show up in our leadership and bring in some amazing groundbreaking, groundbreaking work uh, from books like Childhood Disrupted and The Body Keeps the Score, which looks at how trauma or childhood wounds impact us. That's one piece of the book. But the other piece is using music, both figuratively and literally where I'm bringing in research about the music's impact on the brain and how it can be used to help make change stick and build new neural pathways more quickly and more efficiently than you can without it. Wow, that sounds so incredible. And you know, I have a musician husband who's also an electrical engineer. So he's, uh, you know, has had two degrees and I can see firsthand how music transforms him and uh you know when he it's uh playing music he's really somebody else in a way you know i can see he's tapping into something that's there and you know as a high level executive you know it has crossed my mind also because i know a lot of people 
that you know have that quality or love music or have music in the background like i i read somewhere once i was doing the research for for this interview that that you 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 mentioned something like what's a playlist running in the background and i yes, and i have always yes. thought about my life like that it would be cool to at the end of your life you know put the musical background of what song were you with or what was driving you at each different stage because I really see it like that as well. Yes, yes, exactly. I think what, you know, we know that music has this ability to shift our state because we use it to work out, right? We're like, okay, let's pump ourselves up. But that is just such a small fraction of where I think music's power is because it lights up all regions of the brain, because it has such an impact to get immediately to the core of our emotions, that what I'm suggesting is that we can use music to figure out, you know, think about some place in your life where you feel like you're bumping your head up against the ceiling. And what's what's getting in your way or a pattern that you notice, like, why does this keep happening to me? Well, if you start to notice any pattern or even where you're getting stuck right now, it often has to do with this underlying core belief that's running you about you and about your experience in the world. So in the book, I detail nine of the most common old playlists that I hear from leaders. And these are things like, I'm not good enough, or I am left out, or I'm treated unfairly, or I'm not safe, where they're very core beliefs that may not even be totally conscious. I mean, certainly mine, it wasn't totally conscious. Mine, as I uncovered in doing this work, was I'm treated unfairly. Now, I didn't go around. I'm a pretty positive person. I didn't go around thinking, oh, I'm always treated unfairly. It's very subtle. That's why it's sort of like this background music that you may have it's sort of blended into the background. You don't even know that it's playing. But when I did the research to look at how did I respond in life? What was the emotional response I had when things didn't go my way? And I wrote a lot about the highs and lows of my life. And, and whenever the lows came, I that's when I started to notice the pattern that I felt frustrated. I felt left out and ultimately treated unfairly in whatever happened. Now, you could objectively look at some of the things that happened my, my, in my life and say, yeah, you were certainly treated unfairly. But that doesn't help anything because I really believe you are the creator of your experience. So clearly I'm actually broadcasting something that's attracting that experience into my life. And I decided to use music both to interrupt that pattern, to get clear, when I was like to bring it to more consciousness, when I was kind of slipping into this old pattern, but also use music to create a new neural pathway. So a new set of emotional beliefs that that's who I wanted to, wanted my life to stand for and anchor that with the music that had me feel that emotional state. Mm, that's that's really fascinating. And, and if this is something like, you it's like a practice is obviously you're a coach you work with your clients right but this is something like when you say okay let's use music to create a new neural pathway that sounds like oh, okay that sounds interesting yeah. uh, how do you do that you know is this something that as you said when we go to the gym we put the music on and this and we recognize this is a good feel 
song. This is what I want to feel. I always have my relationship with music is as an enhancer. I always call it the enhancer. Even if I'm sad or if I just want to tap into what, like what I'm really feeling in that present moment, music has that ability to like uh, augment, enhance whatever it is that I'm feeling. Um, and, And so, you know, to help me get there. It so. does. And it does indeed. And, and it allow you to get in deeper touch with your emotions. And so I'm not suggesting that we always just want to play happy music and like, there it is. You know, if you're trying to process something, I think music will help you recognize those emotions, feel them and let them go. What I'm really talking about in the leader's playlist is why are there certain circumstances that you can't seem to let go of? Mm-hmm. And look, I can give you a, the greatest example of this for me or what really had me come up with this idea to begin with was I had just gone through a significant breakup and not really just, I had gone through that. I felt like I processed all those emotions, but I couldn't seem to let go of the resentment and sense of betrayal that I felt for essentially wasting number of years that were very important in my mind, fertility years with a man who in my mind did not deserve that time, but I couldn't get it back. So I couldn't seem to let go of the resentment of that. And I knew as a coach, I knew objectively this wasn't serving me, right? Yes. It was only like, like if I were coaching me, I'd be like, what, you know, but I couldn't emotionally, I couldn't break out of it. And so when nothing seemed to work, I turned to music to soothe me. But what I found is that music did more than soothe me. It actually had the power to heal me because I created this new playlist called I Am Empowered. And in it were songs that were the exact opposite of this sense of resentment that I was feeling of treated unfairly. And instead, it was like the party has started. I have arrived. But a lot of it was like, here, I am woman, hear me roar. Like I (laughs) and a lot of it was songs about loving me and loving myself. And so anytime I felt myself kind of, you know, a photo would come up or a conversation like, and I could easily like go down that old pattern. I'm like, nope, not doing it. And I would use the music to shift my state into feeling the things I wanted to feel. And I developed a seven step process to do this. That's what I outlined in the book and even wanted to give people more support. So I created a masterclass where people could go through the course and actually use a workbook to figure out what's that old pattern and how can I create and how can I leverage music, which is available to everyone, you know, how can I use this in a more powerful way to help me shift and create something new in my life? Mm, I totally love that. And thanks for sharing that, because as you said, it's a leadership book, but yet, you know, we are the leaders of our own life. Like we are the ones that have to make it happen for ourselves. I always say, if we cannot be our biggest cheerleader, who's going to be? Nobody else is going to come, you know, cheer for you. If you are a self-saboteur, if you're saying, you know, I'm never going to get this done. And and the best proof is try saying to somebody, you're never going to get this done. And say, oh, yeah, I will. (laughs) You know, then then that person shows up, right? but, But it's something that we need this to sometimes feel that, 
that we can bash ourselves. We can, you know, put ourselves in the corner, as I say. So I love that that in your book, you also give people the opportunity, not only on the leadership side, but on the personal side to take control of how they react, I guess, because that's at the end of the day, it's all about how we react to anything that happens to us. Exactly. That's why I say the book is really for anyone. But I talk about leaders because they have such an impact on those around them because they're they're managing and leading others just as they did for me. And and I'm looking to heal what holds them back so that they can lead in a much more disruptive environment uh, than ever before. Absolutely. And, and, and energy is contagious. So the more you have leaders that are empowering, that are compassionate, that help yeah. others, you know, to really figure themselves out, I think that the, the better the entire organization is. And so so you work with, uh, you know, so many people and so many leaders. Uh, I'm curious, what would be the largest misconception that people seem to have about their own leadership? I think they underestimate the effect that their childhood has in how well they're leading, mm. which I think is true in parenting as well. Let me just, <laughs> your, you know, what happened to you growing up, you are going to absolutely, it's going to frame how you are as a parent. Same is true in leadership because it's all about relationships. Leadership is about relationships. And so what I kept seeing in the work over, you know, the last two decades is leaders weren't responding to what was happening out of a more, let's say, very objective place. They would all, it would be colored by what occurred or what happened to them in childhood. And it would cause them to pay attention to certain facts or perspectives more than others and maybe miss important data points. They would hone in. You know, I, I I often say that I think as 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 human beings, we think we're chameleons and can see 360 degrees, but we can't. We're not chameleons. We have a central vision and peripheral vision. And where I turn my head, meaning what I am motivated by, is what I see. But there's something behind my head I can't see. Mm. And that's the the point of leadership development is to look at what's that blind spot. Because, and usually what you're focused on has to do with your childhood experiences. Mm, That's so powerful. And, you know, in a way, probably you made me think when you say that, that's probably why I'm always so curious about the childhood years of all my guests also, because one of the purposes I have is to prove, you know, to my audience that no matter how traumatic that was, and we've had, I've had guests with very traumatic that have been vulnerable and open to share, you know, that I didn't have like perfect upbringing. I was, you know, everything at this point, I've heard many, many stories. And then you see how they rise up and they how they took that, that experience and transformed themselves. But it always took a recognition of acknowledgement that that had happened. Yes. That that yes, these, I went through this and it wasn't ideal and it was traumatic and it was painful. And so with that recognition, they really were able to, you know, rise to the occasion into what I want to become and how I want to steer my life into a completely different direction. And so that's yes. so empowering. 
Yes. I mean, some of us have had really harrowing traumas and some have just been more childhood wounds. Right. Yes. And I don't think you get through childhood without something. Absolutely. Right? There's, a play, you know, something happened on the playground, whatever it may be. But there's there's something there. And it, like I said in, earlier on, it gives you a superpower. It made you who you are. We want to celebrate that. We also want to look at it may have also had some unintended consequences, which that's what I call your liabilities, the things that hold you back from what you really want. And so if we can take the best of the superpower and also learn to work with the liability in a way that is more encompassing, that's where I see true leaders flourish. Mm, that's beautiful. So, so amazing. And so I know also that you have your own podcast and YouTube channel, The Lightning Executive. Yeah, The Enlightened Executive. Yeah. So shoot out to that. Everybody subscribe and, and listen. So tell us a little bit about that, fellow podcaster. <laughs> yes, it's I, I love it. It's the tagline is your personal evolution sparks your leadership evolution. Mm. So each episode, I try to feature some groundbreaking technique, strategy, mindset about how to make a breakthrough in your personal life and how that will impact your business life. And either I bring in guests who have walked the path of conscious leadership. So Maybe they used to lead from this point of view and they did their own soul searching, their own journey. And now they're more towards a more enlightened leader and what that looks like leading from like what they used to think leadership was how they needed to be as a boss. And how are they now? And then I also interview people who have created amazing assessments or programs or courses that I think are really valuable for people to take a look at. I'm kind of a person that loves to integrate a lot of different modalities. And I think it's worth giving the spotlight to share with them. And then I also put a little bit of leadership insights with my own um, spin on things from time to time too. So we mix it up. Well, I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, that this is a great opportunity to you listening out there to reach out and, and listen from, you know, uh, an incredible leadership coach, what they can offer to you and how you can really you know, improve and evolve your own leadership uh, style in your life. So this this has been amazing, Susan. I always like to offer an opportunity. Has there been anything that we haven't discussed that is important to you, that is exciting you these days that you want to share up with the, with the audience? Yeah, I think look, an easy way to get started and look at what is my path to enlightened leadership is to go on my website and take a little free quiz. So it's um, susandrum.com and that's drum with two M's. And yes, it is funny that I wrote a book on leaders playlist and my last name is drum. Um, <laughs> maybe there are no coincidences. I don't know, but <laughs> If you go to susandrum.com, you'll see a quiz there and it'll give you some first steps on uh, ideas that might be there for you. And we'll, based on your quiz results, we'll highlight a certain chapter in the book that you might want to pay particularly close attention to. Uh, we can talk about the masterclass from there, but it'll give you a sense of what maybe your superpowers are and what could be your liabilities. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, everybody out there. Free quiz. I think I love, I always love that those because you always, no matter what, you uncover something that you didn't know about yourself. 
I'm a firm yes. believer of that. And yes. so my last question for all my guests is usually, um, Susan, when things are not going perfect and you need to reconnect to your true essence and to what makes you tick, what would that be? Well, it has to be, uh, there's an anchor song to my playlist. Okay. I love and it. <laughs> it is, it is putting that piece of music back on. And I write about this in the book, but I think the song that turned it all around for me was Bruno Mars. I love his mm -hmm. music. I've seen him in concert three times and it was a uh, 24 karat magic. Oh, that's a beautiful and song. And so yes. it allows me to reconnect to the magic inside of me and the ability to create an incredible experiences that taking me back to my childhood and who I really am. So mm, I love it. I love it. Beautiful. And now I yeah. have to, you made me want it after this interview. I'm I have the song because I love it too. I'm going to listen to it with a new appreciation for having met you for, you know, everything you share. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, you have a bunch of friends here at Back to Basics. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to share this important work. And I'm so excited about what you do in the world. So thank you. Thank you. And lots of uh, congratulations and, and future success. And to you listening out there, thanks for joining. And until the next episode, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.